good to to sing to you truths that you have spoken. And God, sometimes, even though those truths are our desire, they may not always be how we live or how we act. And so, God, we ask that you, God, would do something amazing in us. You would change us. You would transform us. And we would be, in our hearts and in our spirit, be in agreement with yours. God, do in us what we cannot do in ourselves. Conform us to the image and the likeness of our Lord and Savior and our coming King, Jesus Christ. We love you because you first loved us, God. Would you manifest your love in us by how we live our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be back to cold Alaska. I just absolutely love it. <laughs> um, you know, when I was thinking about what to, what to preach on, it, it's interesting because, you know, back at church, you know, you're in this rhythm. We have our whole year laid out, and we know exactly what we're preaching. And then when someone says, hey, come up, and they say, okay, I don't really know these people. God, what should I, what should I say? What do your people need to hear? And sometimes we always think, well, I got the perfect thing. I don't know if I have the perfect thing, but it's been well prayed for. I do know this, that this Jesus who we have committed our lives to, who, who has saved us, who has done all the work for our salvation, has asked us, well, I should say, done all, yes, done all the work for our salvation. But in that same sense, he said, but I also want you to partner in your salvation. It's in regards to obedience and submission. We may call it sanctification, but it's a part that we get to say, I'm in agreement with you, Lord, and I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to conform my thoughts and my heart to you. I don't want autonomy. I want you to be in control, because that's how... I was created. I was created for you to be in charge. And so I think oftentimes, when I was a kid, I got mixed up autonomy with freedom. God's all for our freedom, but he's not for our autonomy. And so how do we then conform ourselves to this incredible Jesus that loves us? How do we conform our thinking, our behavior, our attitude, that nothing is equal to what he says to us and what he desires of us. Nothing can be on that same level. And so how do we do that? And then Paul, you know, how many of you guys love Paul? Yeah. So I love Paul now. When I first started studying, I went to Moody. I didn't like Paul. I always say, well, does he always have to be right? Like, he's that kid in, in school that you look at and say, okay, here it goes again. And it'll be perfect, it'll be the perfect answer, the perfect time, Perfectly delivered. That's Paul. Doesn't mess up. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but Paul brings us this incredible book out of Colossians. I mean, the book of Colossians. In the first couple chapters, Paul lays out this incredible um, theological truth, the, superior, the superiority of Jesus Christ to all things. That's kind of what he does. He, he also does, oh, the writer of Hebrew also does that, but Paul does that in a microcosm in the first couple of chapters, said Jesus Christ is just superior to everything. And then out of that, he gives us this incredible um, charge of how then we should live. And I love that. So I want to jump in Colossians chapter 3. 
We're going to read 1 through 17, but we're going to break it into uh, pieces. So I'm going to read 3, 1 through 4 first, and we're going to take a real look at that. Paul makes this statement. He says, Colossians 3, 1, If then you have been raised with Christ. I love Paul. If you have been. If you come to this understanding, if you come to this agreement, if you have realized that you needed a Savior, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of your world, if you have done that, I love how Paul puts it, if you've done that, then (laughs) seek, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of the God on high. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden in Christ, in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so Paul lays out, if you have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord. I love that. How many of you guys would say, what do you mean, F? Paul is just making this say, if this has happened, here's a logical, natural response to this. This is what should happen. This should be the result of putting our faith in Jesus Christ. There should be a life change in us. How we think, how we act, how we walk, how we talk, how we live, how we do business, everything. But he said, to get there, you have to do something. And so I often tell our people, this is a put on and put off passage of the Bible. But before he says put on and put off, he says seek. Seek the things that are above. I used to always say, well, what are the things that are above? You guys aren't live streaming this. I can walk around, right? Okay, good. Because our, our church is live streaming. They said, you have this much room. Drives me crazy. <laughs> I hate it. I want to be all up. I want to be right with you guys. But he said, If you have found Christ, set your mind and set your heart on things above. So what are those things? And Paul's going to kind of lay out this picture for us. But think about your own life. And here's what I love when I read the Bible. And I don't want us to miss this. Please don't miss this. Because of Jesus, when we read the Bible, it actually should change us. It's not just a book of knowledge. We're not just saying, oh, that's cool. It literally is a word of the living God. It's a living word. We call it that all of a sudden. It's a living word. It's supposed to do something in us. It's supposed to change us. We should be transformed by this book. In the power of the Holy Spirit working together, we should be different. We shouldn't look like the world. So he said, seek and set, right? I love that. Seek the things that are above. If you want to know what they are, read the Bible. That's not arrogant. That's really true. That's what you find. What is the mind and heart of God? It's written in this incredible word that he's given us. How do I live? How do I treat people? How do I view people? We just did an incredible series at our church called Out of Micah 6, 6, I meant Micah 6, 8, you know, he has shown thee what is good and what does the Lord require of thee, right? And he gave us three things. To seek justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. 
And in that, that whole justice piece is that they say, you as a people, your court system, your, your, your legal system as a people should be just. And you should seek justice. What is justice? To be equal in whatever discipline or laws that you have to, you have to execute, they should be equal across the, across the board. No one rich or no one poor should be treated differently because of... Oh, I better be careful. This is right Because of wealth or political affiliation or race or gender or anything else. A just society is just that just. And so he said, as a people, I want you to be just. That's from above. He said, love mercy. What does that mean? To actually celebrate that God is merciful. To love that about him. And even in executing justice, there is a way to do it with mercy and kindness. And he said, you should cheer that on. If you want to be godly people, you should be cheering that on. You shouldn't hate mercy. How many of you guys actually love mercy when it's towards you? And if you say no, you're not really being truthful. We love mercy when it's towards us. He said, I want you to love it towards everyone. It doesn't mean you become unjust or unjust. Not unjust. I don't even know if that's a word. If you grew up in Warren, Ohio, it is a word. And then he said, walk humbly. And how do you do that? You do all this thing in an attitude of humility. And so when it says seek the things above, the Bible instructs us what those things are. That's just one case. You can read all kinds of places where the Bible tells you of the things above. And so we read the Bible and say, God, what are the things above? And most of the time, those things are going to deal with your attitudes and your actions. And I... So if I'm not invited back, I'm not. I've said that for many years. I'm tired of Christians who claim to love Jesus Christ and look nothing like him. That is absolutely inconsistent with the doctrine of Scripture. Doesn't work. You know, I was reading this article. Obviously, I have a young adult ministry, you know, high, a post-high school discipleship program. I was reading an article the other day. It said 48 million young adults are going to walk from the, away from the church by 2050. 48 million. You want to know the number one reason for that? The inconsistency with people's lives and what they see in Scripture. And it was like, well, they just don't love the church anymore. No, they don't love what we call the church. And I'm not always sticking up for young adults because sometimes they're wrong too. But when it comes to the church and what they've seen, they have a point. Now, can I pray? God, um, sometimes I say things. God, help, them, help me to say them in a way that is right and honoring to you. And God, help it not to shut down people's hearts, God. God, if I say anything offensive that is not from you, would you strike it? Please, God, strike it. That is not my intention, God. But you've called us to glorify you. And God, may we do that with our lives. So he says, seek these things. 
Set your mind. I love the two words, to seek and to set. That's a direction of your life. Are you actually making the direction of your life to seek and set your heart and your mind on, on the things of the Lord? You know? And if we aren't, all we have to do is say, God, help me to do that. Transform my attitude. How many of you guys have opinions that you, that you love and you hold dear, but they aren't biblical? You ask God to change them. God, please change. I know my flesh loves these things, but your word doesn't agree with them, and I don't know how to change myself, God. But if you are who you say you are, you can change me. And God, I submit and I give you every permission because I know you're not one who will just violate and force me. And I don't know why, because you have the authority and the power to do so, but you also have a character that does not allow you to do so. Do I understand all that? No, you're God. You can do whatever you want, but your character gives you parameters that you will not cross. Thank you for that. So seek and to set your minds on things above. And then he gave this great theological statement. I'm not going to get through all this. I'm just telling you right now. I thought I would, but I won't. So let's do this again. For you have died with Christ, and your life is hidden. You know, when you think about that, literally, Paul is literally saying, your life is really hidden in Christ in eternity. That's theologically what he's saying. Your life is already with him, so why don't your actions start to match up with your life? Why don't you become, in practicality, what you already are in reality? And that means dying to self. Putting on the things of God and taking off the things of the flesh. And that's not an easy thing. Humans don't like to die to self. We love self. i tell you one thing. Yeah. Sometimes I preach something. This is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, and it's also the most difficult, because sometimes I say, God, how do I preach that which I always don't live? You help me. I don't, sometimes I don't live this very well. But that doesn't mean it's not my desire. And here's what I found about Christians most of the they often have the deep desire to be godly. But sometimes we don't have the effort. And so what God is saying, I want effort. I know your desire. I know your heart. I see them. Man may look on the outside, but God looks at the heart. I know deep down you want to be godly. But it's not a magic stick that all of a sudden you become godly. It's work. Because you still have flesh that is sinful. You still have flesh that loves this world. You still have all kind of attitudes and you have enemies against you and they want you to love this world and you're going to have to do the work. So then he said, well, what's the work? And I'm moving quickly. Let's go to Colossians 5 tonight. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And listen, this list that Paul is giving isn't ex exhaustive. He's giving some practical thing, but we can, if you read scripture, you can say there's much more that he could add it to this list, but obviously Paul is going to write every single thing. He wants us to understand a concept. So he said, sexual immorality. So I'm going to define sexual immorality really simple. <laughs> Sex outside of the context of marriage between a man and woman. 
That's it. <laughs> oh, Lord. But let's not make it bigger than it is. It's one of many sins that human flesh struggles with. Impurity has more to do... Well, all these ones have to do with the mind. The next list is going to have to do with the expression of these things outwardly. But these are things of the mind. Sexual morality, well, that can be outward too, sorry. Impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. I have to explain that one. I didn't understand it at first either. And it says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Then he gives another list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. <laughs> That's so funny. Where else are you going to talk from? I guess you can write it. It just seems odd to me. You know, God's funny, right? I always tell our church, I like these little sidebars. Like, extre- ex- obscene talk from your eyeballs. I guess that doesn't make sense. But anyway, I thought it was funny. I'm not very good at jokes either. You guys should just laugh to make me feel okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Obscene talk. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. So he said, put off. This is what I call the, the closed passage. I take things off. I take things off that don't belong to the Lord. I take things off that don't look like Jesus. I take them off. I have to decide to do that. There's no magic like, like, I remember growing up, I was, I was an angry, Trav can tell, Trav's not here, he's at Kenai preaching this morning, but he can tell you, I was angry. When he came to serve with me in Chicago in inner city, I was still an angry person. And anger sometimes would get the best of me. I mean, one time, well, I, I shouldn't tell you. So if I was angry, trust me. If you want to know a story, ask Travis. And one day I just said, God, when I read scripture, I don't see Jesus being angry like me. He was angry about righteous things and people who violated your word. But he just didn't have this internal anger at everyone. And I don't know how to change it but I know that you want me to look like Jesus. Help me in my anger. Help me. And so I was telling my friends, I prayed this. They said, well, what are you going to do? I said, what? I prayed. They said, yeah, but what are you going to do? And so what they were asking me, what are some practical steps I was going to take? So I said, I'm going to smile more. Everyone said, you're always smiling. That wasn't the case. I said, I'm going to try to smile a lot, and I'm going to sing. Now, have you ever heard me sing? I'm not a great singer. But I sing everywhere. I sing worship songs. I'll, I'll walk in. I'm in a gym. Or I'm at the store. People say, oh, you're the singing guy. I say, well, thank you. <laughs> they want to say, oh, you're the guy who makes a horrible noise. But they don't say that. They're kind to of me. You're the singing guy. This is practical stuff. And as I took off anger and I put something in its place, it started to change me. They're simple things. They're not these incredible, like, God, what theological truth can I put on to change me? I already knew the theological truth. I needed practical application to change me. I needed to 
be kind to people. I needed to open doors for people, especially people I didn't like. You ever open a door for someone you absolutely can't stand? It changes you. Where you want to slam the door in their face? But you're, hey, how you doing? Welcome in. Come on in. Like, sometimes I don't want to do that. Even at my church, sometimes I want to, never mind. <laughs> so he said, put off. Put off all these things. And he says, but you must put them away. You know, guys, if we don't get this practical application, we're going to turn people away from Jesus. Doesn't mean we're unsaved. It means we're disobedient. We're stubborn. We're arrogant. I'm not saying anything about your salvation, but I am saying something about our lives. Everything has to come into submission to him. You know, in America, and I'm going to say this in Alaska, I would say the same thing if I was in Portland, Oregon, trust me. In America, we, Christian nationalism is something. We have added Christianity to our politics. Let's stop that. Jesus isn't a politician. He's Lord. He's Savior. He's a ruler of the universe. So let's stop adding something to him that belittles him and lowers him. And I know, I say that everywhere I go because I think it's one of the number one attacks of the enemy in the church right now today, both on the left and the right. They both don't get Jesus because he's above all that thing. So let's put that stuff to death. Everything. <laughs> I'll move on. Hey, if you guys, if I offend you, please talk to me afterward. My intention isn't to offend, but please, I'm not God, and I'm just speaking what I think, and I believe with all my heart to be true. If I'm offensive to one of you, just come and say, hey, I disagree with that. Unless have really good dialogue and not walk away angry or mad. Because that's what God's people do. You know, we don't do what the world does. And then he says, put on. I love this part. Don't you always love the positive? Put on. He says this. Verse 10. And having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of the creator, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And then he gives an incredible list, compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I love those words. Most of us can instantly say what a compassionate heart. It's a heart that actually loves compassion. Kindness is, is an act. It's an action. I do kind things. But compassion is a heart thing. It's how I feel. I see someone who is hurting, and I have compassion on there. I see someone who's hungry, and I have compassion. I see the rich who are caught in their arrogance. I have compassion. It's a heart attitude. I'm kind to people. I love those things. Humility. 
I love humility. How many of you guys love humility? Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up in due time. Humility, not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking a lot more of God and a lot of others. It's, it's thinking highly of others and not always focus on yourself and thinking so much about yourself. And I love this next one, meekness. What are, and people say, what's meekness? I often think meekness is power under control. I have the ability to do something, but I'm, I'm going to have it restrained by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to let him be in control of my rea- reaction, how I speak, my anger. I have to become meek and understand that I don't need to respond all the time. Even though I may have the power to do it, I'm not going to. I'm meek. I love this about Jesus. You know, he could have crushed all of humanity. And he chose to be meek. He said, I'm not going to use my power to destroy you. But I'm going to use my life to save you. Meekness in action. And then he goes on. Patient. Bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive. How many of us are great at forgiving? Do you know that God loves to forgive and he wants his people to love to forgive. Now, forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. And it doesn't always give people the right who have hurt you the right to come back into your space the same way. But it does mean you're not holding it against it and you're not bringing that thing up repeatedly. You're letting it go and you're giving it to God. Forgive one another. (laughs) I, I think about that and I think, man, God, that's a really hard one. So you must also forgive. It says forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. How much has God forgiven us? That's the measurement. Forgive as God has forgiven us. So that means we don't get to hold crutches. We don't get to not forgive. And some people say, well, don't I have a right? You don't. That's the problem. When you gave your life to Christ, you don't have a right to live it how you want. You have a right to live it as he has instructed you and has told you and as he lived his life. You know what I love about Jesus? He has never asked you to do anything he has not done. So we can't say, well, he just doesn't I hear people say, Jesus just doesn't understand. The Bible says he was tempted in every way. He understands. I gotta go quickly. So, put on. Guys, we have to. And I love this idea that he says put on, but he says we are being renewed. This process that he's talking about is a daily process of being renewed daily. It's not ever complete until glorification. It's not a one-time thing. Why well, put on forgiveness at one time? You're going to have to put on forgiveness like always. I got to hurry. So anyway, I just want you to know, if you want to look like Jesus, this is a recipe. This. And so you hold this up to 
how you think and say, where am I off? Where am I not getting it? And be honest about it. You don't have to tell anyone else, but we've got to be honest. God, where am I way off? Because God, you have called me. If I have been raised in Christ, this is your expectation of my submission and my obedience. And I don't get to change that. What time is church over? No, honestly, are we done now? Huh? Okay, so, do I have five minutes? Okay. <laughs> See, in my church, there's a big line, and this guy holds up this big sign. They always have it for me, none of the other pastors. Like, the five other pastors are fine. Don? And they'll hold it, and they wave it like this. I say, okay, I get it. And then he concludes. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. He gives us these truths. He said, let the peace of Christ. We know why we don't want this, because we don't have God's peace. But what does he say about his peace? My peace I give to you. It's available to us, the peace of God. Like when someone does me wrong and I want to just respond in anger, I said, God, God, I'm, gonna, I'm not. There's a peace that God will give that will pass all understanding. We may not even understand, but all of a sudden we're at peace. He said, let the peace of God rule. I love the word rule. How many of you guys like that? How many of you guys like other people ruling you? Probably none of you. <laughs> But I found one thing in life. I do like when God rules me because I'm the person that I truly desire to be. See, God tells us these things because when we do them, we become the people deep down inside because of God we want to be. And it's a lie of the enemy that makes us think that this incredible God wants us to be less. He actually wants us to be everything we were created to be. That's why... One of my favorite verses is Ephesians 2.10. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which he prepared in advance that you may walk in it. We are God's that work, work, workmanship. I love it. Po- it means poema or poetic expression to the world. We're God's expression to this world. He wants to show his glory through us. Think about that. The God of all creation wants to use us to say this is what Jesus looks like. This is what I'm like. That's why he wants us to be the people he's called us to be. So a lost world says, that's different. That I want. I want to, you want to see America change? Live for Jesus and live like Jesus. You want to see hearts transformed? Start living for Jesus and living like him. It changes people. It says, your kindness, Lord, is what leads us to repentance. Not hate and anger and my way or the highway. Those things don't re- lead people to repentance. They lead people to camps. To which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Thankful that God wants you to live like this. Let the word of Christ dwell. It's different to know the world. Dwell up here, but it 
different when the word dwells in your heart, lives there, has made a home there. It's different. It changes you. It said, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing praise, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And then he ends with this, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So here's my big takeaway. If all your actions, you, if you look at them, you do a self-evaluation, you say, did I do that in the name of the Lord Jesus? That should be our measuring rod. Was that attitude, was that action, was that thought done in the name of Christ? And was it godly? Because everything done in the name of Christ is godly. Everything. And whatever you do, and word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. A recipe of Christian living. Paul made this incredible case for Jesus. Then he said, if you have been raised in him, this, is, this should be your life. This. I don't care what other philosophies out there, I don't care whatever things you read, this is a recipe for Christian living. And our question is, what we have to ask God, am I in agreement with you? Or not? Can I pray for us? God, you're good. Sometimes, God, it's hard to preach a sermon where you probably need it if equally, if not more than the people you're preaching it to. But God, it's your word and we will not compromise it even by our own failures. So God, would you be glorified? Would you work in us? Would you work through us? And would you conform us to the image and the likeness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.